It's time to eat. What are you hungry for? Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Ross Tucker and Joe Dolan. Feed me now. I'm starving. On the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast. Yeah, let's eat, baby. It is the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast presented by DraftKings, and we are here to help you win your season long, your DFS. We just want you to win. And by we, I, I mainly mean he. I mean, he's the star. His name's Joe Dolan, at FG underscore Dolan, the fantasy gangster. Use the code 22FEAST over at FantasyPoints.com. A, so that you get the great content at FantasyPoints.com. B, so I get a little credit for it. They know I sent you. I'm at Ross Tucker NFL. We are at Ross Tucker Pod. And Joe, I don't know about you, man, but after week one... I still go about 75% on my preconceived notions, 25% of what I see in week one. After week two, I'm like 85%. Okay, what I've seen the first two weeks is what they are, 15% preconceived notions. So we know a lot more, at least in my mind, about these teams after two games than we did after just one. So let's dive right into the Steelers and the Browns. Oh, what boy. No, what do we know about these teams from a fantasy perspective. Well, um, what we've got now here, Ross, is the Steelers uh, are catching four and a half. Um, 38 and a half is the total. That was So the money has come in on the Browns and the under um, with Pittsburgh. I think Pittsburgh had an absolutely appalling performance against uh, the New England Patriots. I don't know. I mean, here is my guess. Barring him lighting it up uh, in week three, I think the Steelers will have an opportunity to take their long break heading into week four and make the switch to Kenny Pickett because I don't know how much longer they can keep up with this. Mitchell Trubisky is averaging 5.1 yards per attempt uh, on his 71 throws so far. The Steelers have scored 30 points on 24 possessions, okay? They have punted at the second highest rate in the league. This offense is abominable. Um, the good news for the Steelers is this. Um, we already know Jadeveon Clowney isn't going to play for the Browns. We already know um, that uh, that Chase Winovich is not going to play for the Browns. He's on IR. And Miles Garrett popped up on the injury report on Tuesday with a, uh, with a neck injury. So there is a chance that Miles Garrett doesn't play in this game. Um, or, I mean, maybe the Browns are just being cautious. We'll learn more today. But that is a that is a potentially significant piece of news for Mitchell Trubisky and the Steelers. Now, Deontay Johnson has seen ten or more targets in fifteen of his last nineteen games. That has not changed with Mitchell Trubisky. It's just that that target volume is not translating into big plays. It's not translating into touchdowns. This Steeler team cannot get in the end zone, and it is horrifying. I'm not sure how much better it'll get with Kenny Pickett, but I, I can very confidently say Mitchell Trubisky ain't it. Well, it'd be hard for it to get worse. What about the Browns on offense, Joe? They had a major collapse um, against the Jets. We know that. Um, Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb, uh, uh, this is like the second consecutive year. or two. It was two years ago. Todd Gurley, when he was playing for the Falcons, scored a touchdown. That was a bad touchdown because it allowed the opponent to get back in the game. Um, Nick Chubb did the same thing now. The Browns still needed an, an absolutely historic collapse. But how about this? 
This is with Jacoby Brissett, by the way. The Browns have scored on 52.4% of their drives. That is tied with the Bills and the Chiefs for the most in the NFL. The Cleveland Browns. So Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt are getting touchdown uh, opportunities. Um, Nick Chubb, by the way, is averaging more yards gained per play. Everybody's like, uh, the, the old adage is this, that you throw to set, you, you, you throw to gut ahead and you run to, to, to seal the lead. Not in the Browns' case, because when Jacoby Brissett throws on early downs, the, he averages 5.7 yards per attempt. When Nick Chubb gets a carry on early downs, he averages 6.3 yards per attempt. So it's actually more effective for the Browns in the early going to run on early downs than it is to throw. Um, so Nick Chubb is awesome. Um, the Browns offense, by the way, after a huge target share for Donovan Peoples-Jones in week one, he didn't catch one in week two. Um, he only had one target in week two, and Amari Cooper came out and had the big game. So he's on the wide receiver three radar for the Browns. But this has been a pretty efficient offensive attack thus far. The problem is the markets just do not believe that's going to continue in this game against Pittsburgh. They're expecting a slot fest on Thursday night. Um, the Steelers, all their trends suggest this is an under game. The Browns' trends suggest this is an over game. 38 and a half is a pretty low total. Um, I don't what know. What was the Browns' percentage they're scoring on? So, the, by the way, uh, a lot of these stats that I'll be throwing out today are from Graham Barfield's stat pack on FantasyPoints.com, powered by our Fantasy Points data package, um, which which uh, we're excited to unveil. There's a lot going on behind the scenes. So, I want, so Ross, if you use the code 22 feast, you get all these stats and more. I like it. I uh, like but, it. But what's but, the um, scoring percentage? So, they have, they have scored on 52.4% of their drives. That is tied with the Bills and the Chiefs for the most in the NFL. That's kind of bizarre that all three of them are tied at exactly 52.4%. Yeah, it's, it is It is strange. But, like, I mean, if you're scoring on about 50% of your drives, you're doing something right. Uh, that's that that's that's a score, by the way. Not touchdowns, a score. But No, I know. Yeah. Um, I'm not feeling great, Joe, about either New Orleans or Carolina from a fantasy perspective. Well, okay. So let's let's look at the let's look at the line here. Um this opened at 2, New Orleans giving 2 on the road. It's been bet up to 3. Ross, the markets would agree with you. Because the total of this game opened at 42 and has been bet down to 40 and a half. So the first two games we're talking about are extremely uh low low totals for the NFL. Um Here's what's happening with Carolina. The Panthers, uh, this is per Rich Rebar, by the way, are needing to gain 8.4 yards on third downs on average, which is the most in the NFL. And they're throwing the ball exceptionally much on early downs, which is totally bizarre given how Baker Mayfield is playing right now. Um, Christian McCaffrey has had back-to-back games without 30 yards receiving since 2017. It's the first time since 2017 that's happened. Um, One thing that I think that the Panthers are going to do is bench Shai Smith, their their slot receiver. Every time I looked up um, at Shai Smith during that game uh, in week week two, um, that awful loss uh, for the Panthers against the Giants, he was essentially – making a mistake, dropping a pass. 
Shai Smith has been targeted nine times this year. He's gained 14 yards on nine targets. That is horrible. You would say a guy getting nine carries and 14 yards is horrible. Well, when he's getting nine targets and he's got 14 yards, that's really bad. What I would like to see, uh, Shai Smith is getting nine targets. DJ Moore has 12, okay? If you're going to be throwing the ball with the frequency the Panthers have thrown the ball in early downs, DJ Moore should have more targets than he does. That is that is an absolute fact. I'm not saying anything that I shouldn't be saying. I would like to see them put DJ Moore in the slot a little bit more. Um He's a great slot receiver. He's only run 19% of his routes from the slot so far this year. I want to see that change. I think Shai Smith is going to come out of the lineup, and maybe that'll be an increase of Terrace Marshall snaps. It'll be an increase of, of Rashard Higgins, who hasn't played an offensive snap. But um, they, I think they Rule mentioned he wants to see LaVisca Chenault out there. Good luck with that. But there's something that's not working from the Panthers, whether it be their game plan, their personnel usage, or both, and it's most likely both. New Orleans? Yeah, so obviously Jameis Winston did not play well in that game against Tampa Bay. Um, He's playing with a broken back. Um, uh, By the way, very even target distribution for Jameis Winston. Michael Thomas, 17. Chris Olave, 16. Olave, by the way, averaged over 20 yards per, like, average depth of target on 13 targets. Jameis is just throwing him YOLO balls out there. Uh, last week, and then of course Olave had the bad fumble at the end, but I don't expect his role is going to change. They p- drafted him in the first round for a reason. So Michael Thomas has 17 targets, Chris Olave 16, Jarvis Landry 14, Jawan Johnson 12. Um, uh, Michael Th- Jawan Johnson, by the way, who's available in virtually every league out there, is fourth on the Saints in targets. So keep that in mind. Michael Thomas is the wide receiver. 10 right now, so he's back. Obviously, the big news here that we're going to find out today, practice reports, is Alvin Kamara going to play this week. He was out last week with the rib injury. Mark Ingram looked pretty good, but he's had some ball security issues. You would think Alvin Kamara is going to get his traditional bell cow role or that that kind of pseudo bell cow role where he gets a lot of targets in the passing game when he returns from injury. Hopefully, it's this week against Carolina. Houston is in Chicago. Not exactly another big fantasy matchup. Maybe uh, maybe a little Damian Pierce or David Montgomery? Yeah, so, okay. So, the total has actually been bet up in this one. It was 39. It's now up to 40 uh, and a half. And, you know what? I'll give Lovey Smith some credit, by the way. He said we didn't get Damian enough touches, and he acted on it. Damian Pierce comes out in that game. Against um, uh, 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 who did they play this week? They uh, oh the, the the Broncos. I was going to say the Colts. They played them in Week One in that game against the um, against the Broncos. Ross um, uh, Davian Pierce played sixty two percent of the snaps, up from twenty nine percent in Week One. He had fifteen carries for sixty nine yards rushing and a catch for eight yards. That was up from eleven carries for thirty three yards in Week One. Meanwhile, Rex Burkhead snap share fetch, snap share fell. And didn't receive a single carry. So Damian Pierce is on the flex radar right now. The question being, how many points are the Texans going to score? Now, this is a weak opponent, the Chicago Bears. Uh, but by the way, the only really Texans you can really consider for fantasy are Brandon Cooks and Damian Pierce right now. So we'll flip over to Chicago. Ross, I, that game on Sunday night was a massive, massive red flag for me. You are down 17 points. You're down multiple possessions for virtually 70% of that game. 
and Justin Fields throws 11 passes? What does that say? This is from Jack Miller, by the way. The Bears threw 11 passes in a 27-10 loss. Since 2000, there are only two instances of a team having fewer pass attempts in a double-digit loss. <laughs> that was the Broncos in Week 12 of 2020, the game where they literally did not have a quarterback because of COVID. The Kendall Hinton game. And Derek Carr, excuse me, David Carr with Houston in Week 7 of 2005, which was towards the end of the David Carr era in Houston. Tell me why I should be optimistic about Justin Fields right now. Why? Like, look, I understand the offensive line isn't good. The receiving group is bad. But the guy has thrown 28 passes in two games. He leads the league in percentage of turnover-worthy throws at 14.3%, which might be a reason they haven't had him throwing the ball. And his depth-adjusted completion rate is second-worst in the NFL. And the Chicago Bears are telling you they think he's bad. I need to see it against Houston. I need to see something. Darnell Mooney has two catches for four yards. And by the way, he has a higher target share than Mike Williams has because, well, Justin Fields has thrown only 28 passes. You need more target. It doesn't matter what your target share is if a guy is throwing 28 passes in two games. The only bear, the only bear I can consider from a fantasy perspective right now is David Montgomery, who, by the way, must have heard people who said that Khalil Herbert's a better fit in that offense because he looked freaking awesome against the Packers. He was the only player who was worth a damn. He's the only player worth a damn for fantasy right now. We've got Kansas City at Indy. Um, Chiefs, I think we know about. They spread it around a little bit more. And they spread it around. Are, they're real bad. Um, Ross, the line has moved so far against the Colts right now. Um, and the money is coming on the under here. This opened at two and a half because Kansas City's on the road. Kansas City giving two and a half. It has been bet to six and a half. Um, I would expect buyback um, from the Sharp guys if the Colts get to seven. But there, people do not want to bet on the Colts right now. This opened at 52. It's down to 49 and a half. You can find some 50 somewhere, too, if you like the over-under. But, I mean, the Indianapolis Colts, oh, boy. I mean, Paris Campbell, they're down their only wide receiver who's worth a damn in Michael Pittman and Paris Campbell can't catch pass. Matt Ryan throws three interceptions. The Colts have scored. We talked about the Browns. The Colts have scored on just 16.7% of their possessions. That's the lowest rate of the league. They ran just 49, 48 plays against the Jaguars, got absolutely dominated in time of possession, and they failed to gain a first down on six of their 11 drives. That is, they, they've had the worst offense in football. And obviously they're going to come try to come out and shorten this game and get Jonathan Taylor the rock, but how much longer can they do that against Kansas City? Jonathan, they need Michael Pittman. Like, I, there was a Colts beat writer, and... um. It might have been Kevin Bowen. Um, I, I'm, I might be misappropriating this. Uh, but he said, the Colt Beater writer tweeted, when Michael Pittman was injured, it, it was his opinion that Pittman is the single most indispensable player on this team. Uh, based on what we saw in week two, he might well be right about that. My, uh, I, 
if you're dying for a wide receiver and Pittman doesn't play, Ashton Doolin is a deep option, especially in a game where the total is projected to be around 50. So consider that. But I don't know how you'd feel good about playing Paris Campbell right now based on what happened in that game against Jacksonville. So Jonathan Taylor, Michael Pittman, maybe Ashton Doolin. It's brutal out there. Oh, and Naeem Hines is a pass-catching option in this. In this, He's a flex option this week against uh, Kansas City in this projected uh, uh, high-scoring environment. Kansas City might be able to name their score. I'm not too sure about the Colts. What about the the Chiefs? So Patrick Mahomes made a comment uh, early before the season. He was like, it was a fantasy comment. He's like, he apologized to fantasy players. He's like, I'm sorry, but it's going to be a different guy every week. In two weeks, that's kind of borne out. Uh, Travis Kelsey is the guy in the passing game, but all of their top wide receivers, like, Juju, Smith-Schuster, Marquez Valdez-Gantling, Mecole Hardman, all three of them have a target share between 14 and 15%. Now, that's less than just than uh, Darnell Mooney's target share, but of course, you know, Patrick Mahomes throws a lot more passes than Justin Fields, so it's much more fantasy relevant. Um, Kelsey has been the first read, this is per Fantasy Points data, on 24% of Patrick Mahomes' throws, followed by Mecole Hardman. So those have been the top two guys. And now here is one that I am stunned. Jarek McKinnon is rostered in like 10% of Yahoo leagues. He has basically split snaps with Clyde Edwards-Alaire right down the middle. McKinnon's actually had played two more snaps. He's run more routes and he's gotten, uh, and he's gotten more snaps inside the 10 yard line than Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Edwards-Alaire looks great right now. I, I don't, I'm not telling you to bench Clyde Edwards-Alaire. But Jarek McKinnon should be rostered in far more leagues than he is right now. I think he's a usable flex. Buffalo's at Miami. Buffalo's a wagon. Both these offenses are wagons, Joe. Yeah, a Buffalo now tells you what kind of respect Buffalo's getting after Miami puts like 900 yards on the board against Baltimore. Um, that Buffalo opened in this game on the road as a three-and-a-half-point favorite and has been bet up to five-and-a-half. So that tells you what people think about Buffalo. Uh, I don't think that's that, that's much. The over-under has been bet up to 53, by the way, which is a massive total. Um, I think maybe some of the betters want to see it again from Miami. Like, look, Baltimore collapsed. They didn't have men in the secondary. But, man, the thing about Miami right now is we had that question all offseason. Well, I don't know what to do with Tyree Kill. I don't know what to do with Jalen Waddell. Should, Joe, should I take Tyree Kill in the second round or Jalen Waddle in the fourth round? Ross, the answer to that question is yes. That's what you should be doing because you apparently should have drafted both of these guys. Um, Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle are the first teammates to have 10 or more receptions, 150 more receiving yards, and two or more touchdowns in the same game in NFL history. That was the first time that has ever happened. Um, Tua had 334 yards in the second half alone against Baltimore. The question here now for Balt- for Miami, look, Mike Kosicki scored a touchdown. I'll take an L on that one. I bet his under uh, on receiving yards, well, Tua threw for 450,000 yards in that game, so, so, uh, so somebody's catching the ball. Um, I still don't like Kosicki for fantasy. Obviously, Tyreek and, and Waddle are in your lineup. The big question for um, Miami is this. Raheem Mostert and Chase Edmonds split snaps this week after Edmonds was the clear number one. And 
Moster easily led the way in carries in a game in which Miami was playing from behind for virtually the entire game. That is something to watch out for. Neither one of those guys is more than a flex right now until we get some more information. But Mostert was an afterthought in week one. Chase Edmonds was the clear lead guy. Was not the case in week two. In a game script when you would expect Chase Edmonds to have been by far the lead back. What about for the Bills? Okay, so um, Stefan Diggs is good. Uh, we know that. Josh Allen's good. We know that. The question now is what is the status of, of Gabe Davis? We don't know. He got hurt in practice on a, a late in the week. Disgusting. Missed the Monday night game. We'll see what his status is. Um, Allen and Diggs are just on the next level right now, though. Uh, by the way, that was a blowout win against the Titans, but we now know that in blowout wins, um, Devin Singletary is by far the Bills' lead back. Uh, he uh, played 35 snaps. Zach Moss played just 13 James Cook played just five uh, uh, before, like, garbage time took over. It, it was the first three quarters, and then James Cook really ended up getting the 11 carries. So I don't want to overreact uh, to James Cook leading them in Russia. And he did look good, but just just to, to throw that out there, that was, what, that was all in the fourth quarter in garbage time. You got Case Keenum in the game. Um, the question was, who was going to replace – Gabe Davis in that game? And the answer was nobody. It was Stefan Diggs. And Steph, when Stefan Diggs is getting open at will, Josh Allen's just going to throw the ball to him. Jake Kumaro had a couple of catches. Isaiah McKenzie had a couple of catches. Gilliam got in the end zone. But unless Gabe Davis plays, um, you, there's no other really usable wide receiver on Buffalo right now, unless like you have McKenzie in a very deep lineup. That's about it. Buffalo, very condensed, very good. Super Bowl favorite. Uh, for an entirely valid reason. Let's hope Gabe Davis plays this week. Detroit and Minnesota. Joe, Detroit's offense looks like it's the real deal. It, very much so. Um, you know, it looked like, you know, here's the funny part, Ross. You come out and everybody's like, oh, the Eagles are frauds. They, you know, they gave up 35 points to Jared Goff. And, oh, man, that defense, the Eagles fans want. Ross, you're in the Philadelphia media market a lot. I mean, you know what, you know what? Uh, they wanted Gannon fired last they, week. They wanted Gannon fired last week. What do the Eagles come out and do? They completely dominate the Vikings. Meanwhile, Golf and Swift and Amon Ross St. Brown are putting up 36 on the Commanders. So uh, the Eagles held the Lions to their worst offensive performance of the season so far. The Lions, I think I said on last week's podcast, they are an overs team right now. And the markets are reacting as such. This game has been bet up to 53 and a half. That is a higher total than Buffalo and Miami. So that is where the markets are going on the Detroit Lions. And that is great for fantasy for me. Because there is a lot of fun players on the Detroit Lions. Now, obviously, you know about Amon Ross St. Brown. He set an NFL record last week. He's going to try to set another one this week. If he catches eight passes... This week against Minnesota, it will be in his ninth consecutive game. No player has ever done that. Tells you all you need to know about Amon Ross St. Brown. DeAndre Swift playing hurt gets seven touches and still puts up a top running back week because of that incredible receiving touchdown he had. He looks really good um, despite the injury, and you would hope that he's healthier this week. The one guy, uh, by the way, Jared Goff's a viable quarterback streamer this week. If, if you just saw what Jalen Hurts just did to Minnesota, um, 
Jared Goff's a viable one this week. You want to see the the Lions line get a little bit healthier, though. Their entire offensive interior line was out in that game against Washington, and they still put up 36 points. That tells you uh, about this offense and this offensive scheme. Um, The one guy I want to see get going a little bit more is TJ Hawkinson. He had seven targets in back-to-back games. The numbers have not been there yet, though. But Harrison Smith, the star safety for Minnesota, is coming off of a concussion suffered on Monday night. It is a short week. Um, we'll see if he can clear the protocol. That is a potentially big loss for the Minnesota Vikings. You got that right. What about the Vikings offensively? They really uh, stalled out against yeah. the Eagles. Cousins was terrible in that game. Uh, I mean, uh, primetime Kirk Cousins is a thing. I mean, I, I don't know what else to say. I would expect a get-right spot here. Um, the Lions have given, uh, uh, by the way, for Justin Jefferson, a get-right. Not that you're benching him, but the Lions have given up just a colossal amount of fantasy points to wide receivers uh, through the first uh, two weeks of the season. A.J. Brown dropped basically 160 yards on him in week one. Curtis Samuel and Jahan Dotson both score touchdowns in week two. Terry McLaurin goes for 75 yards. This is uh, Amani Oruwarie, their top corner, was out against Washington, so I want to check his status this week. But obviously, this is a blow-up spot for Justin Jefferson and um, – and Adam Thielen, who really didn't produce until late in that game against Philadelphia um, when the game was basically out of hand. Um, and I, I would think it's a get-right spot for Kirky on uh, on Sunday in this game. So, uh, And Dalvin Cook, I, I know he only ran for six, 17 yards. That game was completely out of hand in Philadelphia. He'll he'll get back on the wagon against Detroit. What, what are you expecting from the Ravens in Foxborough? So... Here is one thing about Baltimore that really bothers me, and it bothered me earlier this season. And the response that I got to my tweet was essentially, hey, man, running backs don't matter. You can just get anything. Well, what are we told? We're told that a running quarterback, that the, the ability of that quarterback to tuck it and run really opens things up for the entire run game. Ross, you were offensive lineman. Do you think that's a true statement? If you have a mobile quarterback, does that open things up for the line and the, and the running backs? Yeah, because it takes away the number count advantage for the defense. Right. So, Lamar Jackson's out here, first player in NFL history, by the way, ever to throw for 300 yards in a game, rush for 100, not take a sack, and not turn the ball over. That was an MVP performance from Lamar Jackson. But the Ravens could not put that game away because they couldn't run it with anybody but Lamar Jackson. Justice Hill, three carries for 16 yards. Kenyon Drake, six for eight. Mike Davis, five for four. Through two games, Baltimore Raven running backs have 30 carries for 79 yards. Now, is that? I don't think it's the scheme because Lamar Jackson, as we know, is a, is a heck of a threat. The backs here are bad, and I think it was a little bit of malpractice by Eric DaCosta to go into the season knowing J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards were not going to be 100% and not addressing this backfield in a more significant way. Now, hopefully Dobbins gets back maybe this week. He hasn't played in the first two games, and things look better, but the Ravens were unable to put that game away because they couldn't salt away the clock. But for the Ravens right now, there are three players you can play for fantasy, and they are all guys who must be in your lineup. Lamar Jackson, Rashad Bateman, and Mark Andrews. That's as easy a team as I have to break down because those three guys are weekly starters, obviously. Um, and look, uh, they need, and hopefully J.K. Dobbins comes along and joins those ranks. But right now, their run game is non functional with the exception of Lamar Jackson. And then the Patriots, their offense is struggling. They tried to lean on the run. 
Yeah, they and what was really weird is like you're looking at their backfield breakdown and you're like, well, it's really a lot of uh, uh Damian Harris and what what's happening with Ramondre Stevenson. Well, first and foremost, the Patriots have had just 19 offensive possessions. They've scored on just four of those 19 possessions, which is third worst in the league. So that's part of the problem. Um, Ramondre Stevenson, though, in week two, significantly outsnapped Damian Harris, 42 to 27, and ran 23 routes to Damian Harris's 10. So all his opportunity was there. He just didn't get the ball. It was kind of bizarre, but those are encouraging trends for Ramondre Stevenson. Um, uh, Damian Harris also picked up a little bit of a knee injury at the end of that game, something to watch this week. Mac Jones, by the way, last year, he was far better with play action. His completion percentage was 4.7% better, and his yards per attempt were 2.2%, was 2.2 yards higher with play action. You want to take a wild guess on where Mac Jones ranks in play action passing rate this year under Matt Patricia and Joe Judge? Bottom five. Dead last. uh, Ross, sometimes I I just sit here and I'm, I'm baffled by it. Um, Nelson Aguilar had a great game. The only real receiver I trust here is Jacoby Myers, though. Um, and he's just kind of a boring flexum, flexum if you got him type of guy. If, if like you have like a a, 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 a a wide range of injuries at the receiver position, like I had in a number of leagues last week. But really, until I see this offense pick it up, this is not a team I want to be dabbling in for fantasy a whole lot. Slow, ineffective, uncreative. Not the best combination. Bengals haven't been a real good combination so far this year. They have been horrifying. Um, Their offensive line was terrible. Uh, So the Bengals are opened as five-point favorites. They're currently five-point favorites against the Jets. The over-under has been bet up to 45 from 43. I would expect Jets money, uh, Bengals money to be coming in here. Their backs are against the wall. They are, they're they're 0-2 against teams that started Mitchell Trubisky and Cooper Rush at quarterback. Now, why is that? The offensive line has been atrocious. Joe Burrow has taken 13 sacks. Um, He's the second most sacked quarterback in the league behind only Justin Fields. Um, And his pressure is getting to him, by the way, way too quick. 2.11 seconds until pressure arrives. It's the ninth worst rate in the NFL. Uh, That's per fantasy points data. And, Burrow, you know Ross, wants to throw that ball deep. He wants to get Jamar Chase and T. Higgins the ball down the field. But because pressure is getting in his face, just 4.5% of Burrow's pass attempts have traveled 20 or more yards in the air. That is the third worst rate. They're operating a dink and dunk offense with with maybe some of the best weapons in the NFL. Joe Mixon, T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, Hayden Hurst, Tyler Boyd. That's a really good group of receivers and the offensive line is holding everything back. The question is, will the Jets be able to get to him the way the Cowboys and the Steelers did? Because the Steelers had T.J. Watt. The Cowboys had Micah Parsons. I'm not quite sure the Jets have somebody who can take over a game the way those two guys can. What about the Jets offensively? Garrett Wilson, uh, Bree Hall, yeah. Flacco, Joe, they got some guys. I mean, uh, Ross, if I were to tell you on this podcast in July that Joe Flacco would be leading the NFL in pass attempts through two weeks, 
you would have kicked me off the podcast and you'd have a new co-host, but that's exactly been the case. Garrett Wilson looks like their best wide receiver, by the way. He leads the team in target share, air yards, and yards per route run. And unfortunately, that's been at the expense of Elijah Moore, who has just 12 targets in two, ga- in two games. Elijah Moore, who was one of the fantasy stars in the second half of last year, is sixth on the Jets in receiving fantasy points so far. Sixth. Behind... Corey Davis, behind, obviously, Garrett Wilson. He's behind Brees Hall. He's behind Michael Carter. Oh, boy. It's it, it's rough out there, but I think he will get his. I think he will. Um, and I think this environment, I think Cincinnati's in a get-right spot here. I think this game is going to be higher scoring than anticipated. Uh, and that's why the over has been bet up. I like both Garrett Wilson and, um, and Elijah Moore as wide receiver threes this week. By the way, in the backfield, Michael Carter is still operating as the number one. He has outsnapped Brees Hall 93 to 57 through two games. Um, it's basically exactly like the Broncos' backfield was last year. They, they have two guys who they kind of view as number ones, but Carter is clearly ahead right now. Both of those guys are flexes. I would anticipate Brees Hall to get more work as the season goes on, though. The Raiders taking oh. on the Titans. Devontae Adams let a lot of people down last week. Yeah, he did score at least. Um, You know, there was a couple situations where I thought there was a a grease the squeaky wheel. Um, We'll talk about that when we talk Philadelphia. We'll talk about that when we talk uh, the the, the Rams. Um, And I thought this was one as well. They got Hunter Renfro involved a lot more. Um, But by the way, the markets are absolutely collapsing on the Titans right now. the over-under here hasn't moved too much. It opened at 46. I'm seeing some 46s, some 45 and a halfs out there. But the Raiders, when this line opened, were underdogs. That has flipped. They were one-point underdogs. They are now two-point favorites. And I have to imagine more Raider money is going to come in because, well, they're 0-2 and actually have talent, whereas the Titans are 0-2 and don't. Uh, so I would think this is a get-right spot for the Raiders. Um, we, we do have to see the status, though, by the way, Ross, of Hunter Renfro he was getting checked for a concussion on that brutal hit that he took on the game-losing fumble against the Cardinals last week. Um, Devontae Adams is going to get a lot of targets. Look at what Stefan Diggs did to the Titans. That's all I got to say about that. What about the Titans offensively? Oh, man. Uh, you know, I said earlier how Pittsburgh has punted on the second most possessions in the NFL. This is the team that's punted the most. Tennessee Titans. Getting that rookie some workouts. Um It's brutal out there. Uh, I mean, Ryan Tannehill in 39 games with A.J. Brown averages 8.2 yards per attempt and 6.5% passing touchdown rate. In his nine games without A.J. Brown, 6.8 yards per attempt, 4% passing touchdown rate. Seems like that guy's kind of important, right? Um, When the Titans are playing from behind, Derrick Henry is not playing. And Hassan Haskins is out there getting the passing down snaps. Derrick Henry's day was salvaged by a touchdown, but he had only 25 rushing yards and he didn't have a target. If the Titans are playing from behind, I mean, this is the worst case scenario I envisioned for the Titans. The offense is bad. I thought the vibes were bad for the Titans. That has borne out in two games thus far. And it's really been rough going for Derrick Henry. Taylor Luan might be out for the season now. Things are going to get worse in Tennessee before they get better. Finally, we've got the Wentz Bowl, Eagles, <laughs> Commanders. You know, I mean, I, 
here, here's the deal with the Eagles. I mean, Jalen Hurts, he was freaking phenomenal against Minnesota. Like, I mean, that was the best I've ever seen Hurts play. And there is the greasing, the squeaky wheel. Devontae Smith doesn't catch a ball in week one. Seven for 80, catches all seven of his targets against any, and was targeted on the first play of the game, by the way. So Devontae Smith, he's back on the wide receiver three radar. You got to play A.J. Brown. You got to play Dallas Goddard. You got to play Miles Sanders at this point, who looks really good out there. Kenny Gainwell had an interception go off his hands at the end of the game. So we'll see if that affects his usage going forward. But Philadelphia is a machine right now. And Washington has been a team that scored a lot of points and has given up a lot of points thus far this season. Um, Philadelphia is up to a six and a half point favorite in this game. The over-under got bet down from 50 to 47 and a half. I'm not sure that's the right move here on the over-under, but I think a large part of it is because Philadelphia's defense looks so good against Minnesota on Monday night. Washington's been putting up some numbers. Jahan Dotson yeah. from uh, from your hometown, pretty much, Joe. Yeah, Dotson, yeah, he's from Nazareth, PA, and also um, went to my alma mater. Um, first and foremost, Curtis Samuel's a thing. What? He's led this team in targets in back-to-back weeks. So I wanted to see it again. You have seen it. You can play him as a wide receiver three. Uh, when the, the Eagles played the Commanders last year, Darius Slay shadowed Terry McLaurin. I'm not sure that's going to be the case this year for two reasons. Number one, they have James Bradbury, who's also pretty freaking good. And number two, Dotson is a much better number two receiver than whatever the Commanders had last year. So keep that in mind. They're putting Dotson in the slot a little bit. So uh, I, that touchdown reception he had came out of the slot. Wentz was atrocious in that first half against Detroit. He was great in the second half against Detroit. He's kind of had that kind of uh, two sides of the coin deal going on in these first two games. But ultimately, the numbers have been there. And I would expect Wentz to be a popular streamer this week. The question is, we know what happened to Wentz mentally in Philadelphia. Man, if he turns the ball over early in that game, what is going to happen? It is a home game for the Commanders. So throw that, throwing that out there. But, boy, I am very anxious to see how Wentz plays in this game. What about the uh, – what about – is there anything else to talk well, about? Well, Antonio Gibson got a touchdown opportunity. Um, he had four targets, but he was kind of a disappointment last week, 14 to 28 in a touchdown. But he did get the touchdown opportunity. He did get the goal line opportunity. But J.D. McKissick caught seven passes. Wentz is checking it down a little bit more. That was clearly a focus of, their, of the commander's coaching. Oh, and Logan Thomas, by the way. Logan Thomas, by the way, tight end one. He's a tight end one right now. He's getting the ball. Speaking of disappointment, I'm a little disappointed. Episode one is over. Thankfully, we have episode two. This is the show that's so nice. We do it twice. Make sure you download and listen to the second episode. All the Sunday late games, the Sunday nighter and the Monday nighter on episode two. Not even going to say the other stuff. Just listen. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Feast podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker football podcast, Even Money, Business of Sports, and the College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.